Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Get going. Let's get going, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, Grace. Hey, Vanessa. Everybody else is about to come in with us here. Hopefully, you guys can hear me good. Give me a thumbs up or a yes in a chat box that you can hear me as we're live here in our sixth session of School Leadership Communities, What Great Principles Do Differently. So, hopefully, everybody had a fantastic weekend uh, with family and uh, they were safe, and so whether you did it virtually or social distance, or maybe everybody's vaccinated and you were able to actually get some well some well needed hugs in. Uh, hopefully, you had a fantastic, fantastic weekend. I wanted to talk about just a couple of things before we dive into uh, today's session and get your questions. So you could feel free to add your question into the uh, chat box, or you should be able to. Uh, mute yourself uh, during during the session today, but it was a it was a lesson that I heard John Maxwell share uh, one time. He said he said don't don't send your ducks to leadership school. Don't send your ducks to Eagle School. Actually, sorry, don't send your ducks to Eagle School. And I was like, what is what is John Maxwell talking about? Don't send your ducks to Eagle School. And he said he said when you send your ducks to Eagle School right? You're going to frustrate the ducks. When you send your ducks to Eagle School, you're going to frustrate your ducks. And when you send your ducks to Eagle School, you're also going to frustrate your eagles. And when you send the ducks to Eagle School, you will frustrate yourself. And a huge leadership gap that I, I, you know, that I see in, in schools and organizations is is school leaders or leaders appointing or in hiring, um, let's say, for example, instructional coaches, but they don't make sure that those coaches have, you know, the skills or the mindset or the training to be a coach, or they don't provide clear expectations on the responsibilities for that coach, or set up the school's, you know, structure in terms of curriculum, a pacing guide, observation cycles, and, and you know, culture for coaching, to help that coach be successful, right? And what ends up happening is that, you know, you, you know, you wanted this individual to be an eagle, to soar like an eagle, but you set him up as a duck. And as a leader, you should always be challenging people to be moving out of their comfort zone, but not out of their strength zone, right? Leadership is all about placing the people, placing your people in the right positions so they can be successful. Now that's a big part, that's a big part of what Todd Whitaker is talking about here in these couple of chapters and what we've been discussing over the last you know, couple of weeks is, are you taking the time to identify who your eagles are, right? Who your eagles are. So one of the resources that I shared, let me get this, um, uh, panel out of the way here so you can see it. Hopefully you can see it well. Give me a, a yes in the chat box that you're with me and you can see my screen. Uh, but this is one of the resources. I think this was shared in an email, but I so, so I'm going to add it to the um, uh, to our web page here. So this is assessment of current leadership quality. So this is this is a sheet of paper that you can download. This is from John's books, Developing the Leaders Around You. And so in this, in this, you know, book, you know, John's going to talk about you have to identify your top 20%, you know, you have to be making sure that you're surrounding yourself with leaders. Because 
the law of the inner circle says, this is from John's 21 Laws of Leadership, the law of the inner circle says that a, a leader's potential is determined by those closest to him. And it also warns us that we naturally surround ourselves with either people we like or are people who we are comfortable with. And it's critical to give significant thought to those that you bring closest to you, right, in your inner circle. So there's five easy questions for the inner circle. Um, one, do they have influence with others? Two, do, uh, do they bring a complimentary gift to the table, right? You know, like a, a gift or a, a skill that you don't have. Do they hold a, a strategic position in the organization? Do they add value to the organization and you as a leader? Do they uh, positively impact other inner circle members? And maybe a, a bonus question could be, do they display excellence, maturity, and good character in everything that they do, right? And so there's two critical steps in achieving your goals as an or organizational leader and a principal or, you know, director, whatever your role is on this call, you know, listening live or to the archives. The first is becoming the best leader that you can. And the second is surrounding yourself with the best leaders that you can find, right? These are people who are like-minded, but think, differently and bring, you know, different skill sets that fill your deficits. Now, so this, this assessment of current leadership qualities is a, is a start. Now, in the chat box, let me know, ha, has anybody downloaded this yet or, you know, taken the time? But it's 25 questions on a Likert scale of zero to, to four. And it's just asking, you know, the question of this, of this inner circle, are these are these individuals that I'm spending the majority of my time with? Because remember, I said you need to spend 60 to 80% of your time with your top 20% of your people. Right? These, are the, you know, these are the key adults that you are developing into better leaders so they can better lead uh, the other tiers of your organization. So um, seeing nothing in the chat, either that means nobody can hear me <laughs> or nobody's tried it. Can I, someone give me a less, I, I hear you, you are, we can hear you, Tom, or a, um, cause I can't see anybody's, uh, videos right now. Can you guys hear me? Okay. All right. Okay. Perfect. Vanessa, thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the key here is, is, is identifying, right, who they are and who I'm spending the time with. So this is a sheet that you can print out, right? And over this week, you can do one or two a day, put the person's name on it. Obviously, this is a self-assessment. It's not something you're going to share out. And then you're just going to answer all these questions. And at the bottom, it's going to give you a score here, okay? It's going to give you a score in that person. And what you might find is that you're spending time with the wrong people. You might be spending time with the wrong people. Which would be, <laughs> which would be tough to swallow, right? Yeah. So Shelly, uh, I said surround yourself with the best leaders who are like-minded, right? Right. So they're like-minded in terms of like the vision and and you know where we're heading and our values and our character, but they bring a different perspective, and they bring in the skill sets that you don't have. So for example, a lot of our you know folks here have. You know, taking our um, our disc personality profile, and our disc personality profile has a strengths a strengths component. I'm always saying, hey, look, these are your three strengths. Spend 90 to 95 percent of your day here, and then identify the strengths of your team, and and so you know, make sure you can hand off the right um, the right projects to the right people, right? So these are your people. You know, you're going to identify them where they are. And then so part two of this exercise would be, um, good question, Shelly. Part two of this exercise would be, uh, how well are you coaching your team? Okay, and again, this is from John's book, uh, Developing the Leaders Around You, which is one of the books that we have in our leadership uh, principles, a digital library uh, that we've done mastermind groups on that, um, that you know you can gain access to but so these are these are 20 questions that you're going to ask yourself right so you've so you've done your inventory of your of your who you perceive as your top people or the people you spend the most time with and then you're going to do a self-assessment 
right? How well am I coaching them, right? So how well have I chosen my players? Uh, have I proven to my players that I care about them, right? This is a self-assessment. Now, you could certainly give some of these questions to members of your team and ask them, right? Um, are they, you know, have you proven to your team that you care about them and all those other aspects? Hey, buddy. That's Matthew, everybody. Okay. She's not. We'll do. You got it, buddy. Thank you. So at the very bottom here, you know, you'll be able to take your own score and say, hey, I'm a great coach or I'm an excellent coach or your players are, you know, beginning to look like a team, right? So it's just a good place to give yourself your own self-assessment, okay? So these are two tools that we added. Thanks, Ms. Swain. Yeah, these are uh, two two tools two tools that have been added. Um, one of them's on there live already. And uh, one of them I will put up. One of them I've sent in that email um, uh, before. Uh, but if you're on the What Great Principles Do Differently page, and I'll go back to be able to share that. That uh, last coaching guide, it was, it's the last resource. It's all the way at the bottom. I just saw it. How well are you coaching your team? So you click on that, you'll be able to download it. And I'll add the other one um, somewhere else uh, today. I think I have a, a couple of duplicates here. So um, I've tried to add a bonus lesson or bonus resource in between each of the shorter supplemental resources that I've had. So hopefully you guys are finding some good value in those. If you didn't know that they were there, uh, they are there for you. So any thoughts or questions around your top 20%? Uh, or those two resources that you can use to identify whether or not you've identified the right people and how well you're coaching them. Nothing? All right. Who would like to share a, a win? Now, some of you may have been on spring break last week. Maybe you're on spring break this week. Uh, but, who, but who can share a win from from uh, over the last week or two. Anybody want to celebrate something, something that they've been working towards or some sort of breakthrough that they had? I'll share. Go for it. Not necessarily a, a breakthrough, but it was really fun. So last Thursday we had our, um, our staff Easter egg hunt and um, hmm. Our staff, so it was after buses rolled at the end of the day, and I have eggs with things like lunch on the principal, dessert on the principal, jeans for two weeks, you know, things like that, that I can do without spending a whole lot of money. But one egg has cash in it. This is an annual thing. So one egg does have cash in it. So literally before the buses even rolled, when teachers finished at their duty station, they were gathered in the hall I got on the PA system to make the announcement that we were getting ready to start the Easter egg hunt. And before I could even finish giving instructions, you can just hear like they were barreling down the hall to try to go find the eggs. It took all of two to five minutes, but it was the most joy that I've seen my staff have in a long time. So it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that is fun. I love that Easter egg hunt to the school. And you put some cash in there. Everybody loves cash. Yeah, 50 bucks, so. Nice. They, they yeah. definitely try to find that golden egg. <laughs> I love it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. And then I saw here in the chat, Vanessa, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you. You know, you had told me you were sick. I didn't realize you were sick, sick. So hopefully you're, hopefully you're recovering well. I know you got little ones you're taking care of and not all your school. But the exciting part was she said that my team did a fantastic job while I was absent for a week. Yeah, that is the difference, right? I mean, as leaders, we have to be okay with not being in the building. And if we're not okay with not being in the building, it means that we're not doing our job, right? And our job is to, you know, build people up and equip them and let them, you know, you know perform at the highest level and help them gain confidence uh, in, in the world. And, you know, if you're not there, you're not there. Like I always used to say to my team, I was like, look, Make the best decision you can if you can't find me. Make the best decision based upon kids and safety. And uh, if it goes wrong, I'll take the blame. If it goes right, 
all the credit's yours. Um, what's the worst that could happen, right? Just don't light the school on fire, make sure nobody gets hurt. So, um, so that kind of leads us into these three questions that I've been thinking on is it's unbelievable. I don't know where March went. It's, it's tied for the longest month, but it seemed to really fly by. So here we are, right? We're heading into the fourth quarter of the school year. So these were three questions that I was kind of pondering. Um, one is, and I put them in the chat box, it's the email I sent earlier, but what's it like to sit on the other side of the table from me as a leader? I don't know if anybody's ever asked that question before, but that's a, that's a tough one, right? What's it like to sit across the table from me as a leader and get some really good feedback from those top, those top teacher leaders that um, Whitaker keeps on referring to, right? He said, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to be authentic with you. And they're going to say it in a way that doesn't sting. And they're going to keep it quiet. Like they're not going to go into the, you know, the break room and say, oh my gosh, look what Tom just asked me, crazy maniac. All right. So that's one thing. You know, what's it like to sit across the table from me? Uh, where do I need to focus my personal growth on over the next 90 days? You know, so uh, good intentions are being a part of this book study, right? But intentional action is actually taking what you're learning. And um, Shelly had a great point. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm like on overload. There's just so much. And yeah, that is easy to do. It's easy to get overwhelmed when you're growing. So the key is just having some clarity and where is it that I really need to grow, right? And that could come from feedback from your top people. That could come from just your own personal reflection. It could from, come from feedback from supervisors or mentors um, or just you've got results that you're not happy with. And if you've got results that you're not happy with, then you have to, there's only one place that results come from and that's your actions. Uh, so you have to go back and backtrack, right? So what, so what is it that you want to be better at come June 30th uh, personally, okay? Because remember, um, I'll do this real quick. Let's see if I got a sheet of paper. I should have had my. So, oh, surrender now, Tom Miller. Okay. So if you so if you draw, uh, everybody draw a um, uh, a graph, right? An L graph here. And math teachers, I'm going to get this wrong, right? Is the y-axis the one that goes horizontal? Is that y or is that x? You got to talk. I don't know. Tell me what is it? it doesn't matter. All right. So, so up along the side, you're going to write capacity, right? Up top along the horizontal, right? Uh, or I'm sorry, vertical, right? Uh, capacity. And then the horizontal one, right? Um, work ethic, right? Work, work ethic. And then you're going to have a scale of 10. So 10 going up vertically and 10 going across horizontally, right? So you should have a scale of up to 10 here and 10 down here. Now, here's what I want you to do. On the capacity side, on your vertical axis, give yourself a score of one to 10 in terms of your current leadership capacity. Overall, where do you rate yourself as a leader? Somewhere from one to 10. And this is just your score, you're not gonna share it. So one to 10. And then on the horizontal axis, Rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 of how hard you work. How hard do you think you work? I'm sure most of you are gonna put a 10 or so, right? You might not always work on the right things, but you work really hard, right? So I gave myself a seven and a nine, right? So this is my leadership capacity, right? This is my leadership capacity if I filled it in. Now, even if I worked harder and I made my working ethic, right? I took like every minute of the day and worked harder towards being a principal or a business owner. I'm really only going to grow just a little bit, right? Because I only have one more leg to go here. However, but if I grew my, if I grew my leadership capacity, right? If I improved as a leader, so on your second axis, right, if you do it again, like let's say that you got, you know, let's say you rated yourself a five the first time or six the first time. If you got your leadership capacity up to an eight, you could actually work less <laughs> and get better results, right? 
or you can work at the same level, but you're going to get better results when you grow your leadership capacity. And I think one of the challenges that we have as, as school principals and leaders is that we think we have to work harder. I'm not sure some of us could work harder. <laughs> but, but, what, but what we can certainly do, right, is there is no cap on our capacity to learn. Now, educators, give me an amen here, right? I mean, in a school, there's no uh, finish line to education. There might be like an end of the year ceremony. There might be a test you take at the end, but it doesn't stop or impede my ability to learn. So if you can continue to work on growing your leadership capacity, this is what, you know, Shelly and I were uh, texting about this morning. She said, I love to just, just grow by 1% every week. Yeah, if I could just grow 1% every week for 50 weeks, even if I took a two-week vacation, right, I'm 50% better as a leader than I am. And that means I might not have to work 65, 75 hours a week. Maybe I only have to work 55 hours. If I spent my 55 hours doing two things, what I said to you about the law of the inner circle, growing myself and surrounding myself with really high quality leaders and growing them, I'm actually going to grow my uh, capacity for success, right? My bar graph grows. I have more uh, capacity now, technically, right? I'm actually meeting uh, potential. That was an argument I had with my hockey team last night. I play ice hockey and we were talking about the difference between potential and capacity, but they're engineers. So we got into a really crazy conversation. But so that's, what's the one thing you, you need to focus on your personal growth? Is it communication? Is it time management? Is it character related? Like, what is it that you need to get better at over the next 90 days? And then how will you know that you're getting better at it, right? What will be some of the indicators? So for me, right, it might be, you know, more, more revenue as a business owner. It might be, uh, you know, less time, you know, tinkering, right? More, more, uh, more, uh, more uh, tasks delegated to my, to my assistants. It might be, maybe it's bringing on another, you know, team member to do some of our operational work, right? There's ways that I can grow to get better results without working harder. I don't want to work harder. I don't want to work harder. I know my kids don't want, won't want me to work longer, that's for sure. So, so what's it like to sit across the table? What do I need to focus my growth on the next 90 days? And then what am I going to do, right? What's, what's your plan? Is it, I, I, am I going to read a book? Am I going to, you know, participate in trainings? Am I going to, you know, reflect? Like, what are the things you're going to do to be better in 90 days? And then, what will you do differently in quarter four of this school year to uh, finish strong and ensure your team is better prepared for next school year? Because this is where the work happens, right? This is where we hire new people. We start planning for the future. Um, we start, you know, if you read my message of today about stop giving CPR to things that just should not be living anymore, <laughs> not the people, keep the people alive. But don't, uh, you know, there's certain probably programs in your school that no longer serve your school. And they just cause more work. And they're not getting us the results that we want, right? Maybe there's some things you have to eliminate from your school. Maybe there's some people you have to eliminate from your school. Or just coach them up, right? They need, you need to stop letting them not hold the image of what you're trying to get to, whatever that may be. So those are three. So, so I don't know if anybody wants to share, if you did any reflection on those three, where do you want to uh, focus your growth on? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was just going to share um, something that it's kind of, it's, it's related to this. Um, you had mentioned a couple weeks ago about getting feedback and I, it's kind of like an, a reoccurring theme. So I um, chose, I would say probably six, six teachers. I want, you know, definitely my top um, best teachers and actually not just teachers. I did staff. Like, so I also did my nurse, 
um, one of my secretaries, and I just asked them, I didn't quite do it exactly the way um, we had talked about, but we use a lot of the, um, we use glows and grows terminology in our school with our kids and stuff. So I, um, you know, chose people that I also know that will speak truth into my life and who want me to be successful, kind of like what you had shared a couple weeks ago. So it was actually really, really interesting. Some of the things didn't surprise me. Um, and some of them did, but it was still so good nonetheless. And I, it meant more to me because it wasn't coming from my detractors. It was coming from people who really want me to be successful and want our school to be successful. So that was a great exercise. I'm still in the middle of um, identifying uh, them and putting them like kind of like in columns because some of them are easy to have indicators, uh, benchmarks of success and measurement. Others are not. Like I'm gonna have to figure out a way to measure that. Am I growing in that area? But it was a great exercise. And I still want to ask a couple more before the year's out. That's that's great. I'm proud of you for doing that. That's a hard Thanks. step, you know. I'm sh I'm sure they were shocked. Some of them might have been like, "What? What do you yeah, want?" Yeah, they they were shocked, and they also felt um, honored. And um, the kindergarten team that I went to, they did it as a group. They said giving me my grows was the most challenging part of their day because they didn't want to say something that wasn't pleasant. And I'm like that's what I'm more focused on. Like, that's what I want to hear is where I can grow. I kind of know where my strengths are, but it was hard for them because they felt bad about doing it. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll say this because uh, Vanessa has a question in the chat. If you want to check it out, Shelly, um, that if you, if you think that your people aren't aware of what your grows are, like you're just, you know, you're just kind of blind. I mean, they know. You just got to give them an outlet to let you know in a in a professional way. And if you've ever read Five Dysfunctions of a Team, or if you ever listen to Patrick Lencioni's, uh podcast, is really good. Um, oh, the uh, table. Oh gosh, the names escape me. But anyway, you can just search Patrick uh, uh, Lencioni. But so he so he does an activity, and I've never gotten a chance to do it with a leadership team yet. But it's um, it's a it's a vulnerability exercise where the team's around the table, and everybody's going to do that. Everybody is going to write what their teammate does really well, and they're also going to write down what their teammate sometimes does to deter the success, right? Or get in the way, or they're a barrier. And the leader goes first, right? So everybody goes around the table and they tell the leader all the things that they do well. And then they tell the leader all the things that they need to get better at, right? So the leader has to model it. And then like one at a time, everybody gets their, their you know, chance to hear. Um, and it's part of his working genius, kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of uh, pivoted uh, some of his work. But he said it's so enlightening to hear your teammates, right, talk about areas where you know that you need to grow at, but it also builds your awareness to things that you're not aware that you're doing that impact other people, right? So everybody thinks that, like, our, you know, blind spots are blind to everybody. And no, they're fully aware to other people. And now that it's out in the open, now that you can actually get some help, someone might be more willing to help you now that you've said oh I know I do that I really need help will you help me with that Lindsay like hey Lindsay will you help me be you know more organized or stop going down the you know the rabbit holes and stuff okay so you got an answer for uh, Vanessa yes I'm sorry I was going to put it in the chat um so basically I um thank you Vanessa for your encouragement as well uh basically I went to each teacher and staff and told them about this class this you know this book study that we're in and in the course and the title of the book etc and um told them that I just really wanted to be the best leader I can be and you know I'm always striving to be better and um, I also told them I know they believe in me and want the best for me, want the best for our school. So I, you know, I just sh sort of shared that and told them, I, you know, how much I value them as people and as teachers. And then I just basically said, um, I'd like it if you could give me, think about it and give me two, two grows and two glows, you know, and I know growing like we all need, the, you know, you know, you need to know what you're doing well too, because what I think I might be doing well might be different. There might be a disconnect between what I think I'm doing well and what the staff might think I'm doing well. So there were things that sort of surprised me in that area too, which was an encouragement to me. So it was really that simple. And I'm still still trying to find maybe five or six before the end of the year and ask, you know, before the school year's out. 
And you may want to ask anybody who's, you know, previously worked with you or, you know, for you in the past. I've been, I text my, you know, former teachers often about that. So, yeah. That's a great idea. I've got, yeah, I've got a text thread now with my 10, you know, staff members that I led and I'm always asking them, hey, how did I do this? Or when I said this, what did everybody think? And and so, um yeah, some of them are pretty honest and vulnerable. Some just joke about it, but you know, like occasionally, like it's good. Like the only way you can grow is to really look at the evolution of your life and look at that. That's all the curriculum you need sometimes. So excellent. Great. Great chair. Anybody else want to share anything from, from either of those three questions or a, a win or a celebration or just something that they've been thinking about these two these two chapters were uh, titled, um, in every situation, who's the most comfortable and who's the least? And then the other chapter was called, base every decision on your best teachers. So those were the two that we uh, read this week. And I just like what, you know, Shelly modeled for us, right? She said specifically, so this is kind of where we could start when we're, you know, talking about, um, uh, you know, basing every decision on our best uh, teachers and getting some feedback from them. Is She said, if you caught her, she said, I'm in a book study. I'm on a, I'm on a mission to grow, you know, personally and professionally. I want to be the best leader for you all, but the only way that I could do that is if you guys tell me, right, what are some areas, you know, that I'm pretty good at, and what are some areas that I might not be seeing, right, something that I'm not always clear about growth-wise, right, maybe, maybe I leave, you know, something out in communication, maybe I assume too much, maybe I, like I know as me as a leader, you know, I used to jump around a lot from initiative to initiative and I never gave anything the chance to like really grow and for you know people to get good at it and and um, I've told that story a couple of times and it wasn't until my third year that I started to kind of figure it out um, that I can't do that I was killing them and um, so I like that Shelly that that was a good model for everybody so why is it important that a principal base their decisions on the very best of the teachers why do we think what were some of your thoughts around this? I think that if you um, if you base your decisions based off the best teachers, then uh, they're going to be thinking, you know, what's best for the kiddos. And you, that's the direction you want your organization to move. You want every single teacher in your building to become like those best teachers. And so if you base the decisions based off what they share, you're moving your organization towards um, you know, more teachers like that, because those that cannot meet those expectations and do those things that the best teachers are suggesting, they will eventually weed themselves out and go find another place where they might fit better. Um, so that's one, one reason. Yeah, that's good. Anybody want to build on that? Thanks, Lindsay. I love the one thing that Lindsay said that she, she had said about, um, right, those top ones are like, my mentor is always saying, hold your image, Tom, hold, hold your image, right? What's that, what's that image for you want success to be? Well, if we're holding the image of our top 10% of our teachers, if that's, if that's our new bottom line, right, we're trying to get everybody to rise to that. And then we're trying to really pour into that top 10 to just keep blowing the cap off of that, right? Just keep creating that higher and higher, you know, piece. And so for me, when Whitaker talks about this, I think about as the principal, you have an image of what you want that school to be operating at its highest level of, of you know, capacity and operation. The only people that can get it there and see it there with you are probably your top, you know, 10%. So for me, that's why I'm asking them because they're the ones that are going to take us there. They're the you know, they're the, um, uh, you know, they're the filters from which, you know, good decisions, you know, come through. Um, they always have high expectations and they'll give you, you know, feedback on whether or not 
they think it's a very good idea or not. They're also your momentum creators, you know. Um, I used to have to say to a lot of our teachers, I wish I would have read Todd's book <laughs> a long time ago, but telling the teachers, hey, uh, I'm going to put something out there today. Don't volunteer for it because you do too much. And I can't have you running like bake sales and girls on the run and this and that. Like, I've got a massive project for you coming. And um, I need you, you know, freed up for that. Not that I want to, you know, take them away from things that fill their heart. But our best, you know, teachers are, you know, backbone teachers, like they volunteer for everything. You have to be conscious of their time. You don't, you know, burn them out. And plus, you know, painting them in the picture of success um, is really important. I was in one of those principal uh, Facebook pages recently, and I saw something where like a guy, you know, it was a, it was a male leader and he uh, posted how he treats his staff. And he said his top 25%, his professional development model for them. And I hope he's not in here. Well, there's only women here anyway. He said, uh, just leave them alone. And I want to say, no, 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 no. Don't leave them alone. Like you leave them alone. They're going to leave you. Flip it. Right. He had all this time and effort in the bottom piece. He already had like 150 people like respond to it. And I was like, eh. but it's so important to, and I did it wrong. Cause that's the way I did it. I did it totally wrong. Like I just kind of checked in with my really good people when I know that they would have like said, you know, because they always said, Tom, you're so busy. It's okay. And I should have, I should have never accepted that. That was my fault. So if you're finding yourself spending too much time with your bottom 25%, right? I mean, when you think about, remember, I think I shared last week that 25% are like on board with everything you do. And 25% at the bottom are against everything you do. And the 50% in the middle haven't made up their mind. What's your job as a leader to keep that bottom 25% away from the 50% who haven't made up their mind and then teach the top 25% to pour into the middle 50 as much as possible. Um, and that's a big, that's a big part. So don't, don't grab low hanging fruit, hold really high expectations and keep those backbone, you know, teachers as part of the picture for the future. And I know some of your, you know, district leaders, um, right. So you have some requirements around maybe who you can put in like positions of leadership, uh, but, you know, charter school and private school, we're like, you know, we have a lot of autonomy. Uh, and I always used to say, hey, I can see you as our curriculum coach, or I can see you leading that initiative, or I could see you being the LEP, um, you know, leader in two years. Like, let's start, you know, getting this program going and get them excited about staying and, you know, being there um, and then help them grow to that point. Any other thoughts on that one? Why why we make decisions based upon our best people? <laughs> I love this question here. It's almost like a no-brainer. If the very best teachers do not think something is a good idea, should the principal still proceed with the idea? Why or why not? I can remember when I had to take over a school and it was in a really dire situation. And I remember leading a faculty meeting and I didn't really know who the top you know, people were yet. I hadn't spent enough time. But I remember like in the front row, there was all these people like nodding their head, like, yeah, 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 we're gonna do this and that. And then nothing ever happened, like nothing ever worked. And then I realized the people who were nodding their head were our lower level tier, you know, culture destroyers. <laughs> it's like, oh, never pitch an idea without getting clarity on who's in the room, uh, you know, with you, right? But if I would have known that, I would have been like, hey, what, who are these people that are all for this change that I was trying to, trying to paint the picture to, right? So always know the pockets of influence in your organization. And remember, influence is leadership. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's not credentials. It's not seniority. It's none of those things. It's someone's ability to gain influence of someone else right, to drive them in the right direction. So as an organizational leader, if you're coming in brand new to a school, 
you need to find the pockets of influence and you need to get them moving in your direction because they're going to bring you know people with them and if they're a they're a, if they're a negative influence you have to address that immediately and you have to remind them right here's our expectations here's where we're going we are better off with you than we are without you but this is the you know direction and as much as possible separate them uh, from those, uh, from those, you know, those, those that they influence. And Whitaker talks a lot about that in his other books, uh, How to Deal with Difficult Teachers, if you've ever read that, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> but he, he's, you know, talking about separating staff meetings and creating, <laughs> creating collaboration through like random selected groups, because, you know, everybody sits with each other and you can identify where those uh, pockets of influence are. So sometimes he would flip the faculty meeting Right, or he'd change it up at the last minute, or he'd number seats or whatever it may be to eliminate those um, crabs in the bucket from you know, pulling everybody down as he was trying to do things. So um, just some ideas, right? So just so one, identify your top 10% 10, 10, uh, or so if you haven't done it already. You could take those sheets that I sent you um, to just make sure you got the right folks and then self-assess yourself on how you're developing them. And then um, if you haven't done it already, like you know, Shelly has, create a plan to ask your superstar teachers for input. That's your, that's your call to action for the next, the next week or two. So let's talk about those difficult people, right? So in every situation, ask who's the most comfortable and who is the least comfortable. And so this is a real you know, challenge for a lot of uh, principals and leaders. And I, I would be hypocritical if I said it's not a challenge for me still at times, um, right? But why does this happen? Why do, why do sometimes that you feel that we ignore um, either behaviors, right? Or we don't have the conversation the way we should, or we rely on an email or a memo rather than a face to face. What are some of the what are some of the um, the antecedents to us not you know following? I think the aftermath. Yeah. And that's one of my struggles. I definitely have the tough conversations, but they often, or and they often are with the same people, um, and so I always think. I overthink everything, but which is one of my grows. Um, I often think, okay, what's the timing of this? Okay, are they gonna go from me? Then do they have a planning? Okay, so if they have planning, they got 40 minutes, 45 minutes free. So where are they gonna go next? And who are they gonna talk to? Like, I mean, it's, and I still have the conversations, but I'm like, it's such a waste of time and energy. Like I have to get better at just landing the plane, saying this is the situation on the table and, and move on from it. But man, I, I am not good at that. I don't avoid them, but I, I don't, I overthink them. Yeah. They, well, they definitely never get easier, right? They definitely never get easier. The longer you wait, if you wait a couple hours and you're always waiting for the perfect time, right? What is it? If you want a shady tree in your backyard, should have planted a tree 25 years ago or today. Those are the only two, two best times. And I want to make sure that we capture this. Uh, Polly in the uh, chat box, she said, um, if you don't give your best teacher's attention and get suggestions from them, they will fade. Yeah, definitely. They'll just, why am I here? And um, uh, buying from others that believe in the best teachers. Yeah, that, that's a critical part. Like you've got to run your initiatives through your best the teachers because they will be your pockets of influence uh, in, in the organization. So there's, it'll be hard for you guys to see, maybe I'll send it an email here. Oh gosh, it's probably hard. Um, I don't know if I could, uh, maybe I could try to post it, but it's a meme that I saw and it's a shopping cart, right? It's a shopping cart in the middle of a parking lot all by itself. And the quote says, I don't know one successful person who leaves their cart in the middle of the parking lot. If you're too big to do small things, you're too small to do big things. And I was like, oh, ouch. I never leave my shopping cart. I hate when people do that. And I hate when people park at the pump too. It drives me crazy. Uh, but so, but I mean, just like a little, right? That's a, it's a little thing that we need to do immediately 
And if we don't do it, it does turn into a bigger thing. And then it turns into a harder thing. And then it's just like, and then for some reason, I feel bad about asking someone, how come they didn't follow through, right? Why is that? And it usually comes down to a self-limiting, you know, belief, right? Something in yourself, um, you know, Shelly shared, she, yeah, it's just like the aftermath, right? But when we think about it, when we were teachers, we would never let kids get away with anything, right? We would say, if I let you get away with that, I'm not doing my job. So at what point in our careers, moving from teachers to principals, did that change? I don't know. That's the missing key, right? Something changed. Because I remember talking to middle school kids all the time, saying, while you're here, when you come through that gate for the eight hours, you will work, right? You know, not because like, you know, it's because it's, it's the right thing because you're not going to sit on the unemployment line 10 years from now and blame us. We're going to give you skills and we're going to work with you and we're going to always try to make you feel safe and, and, you know, do our best for you. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, an adult in the classroom isn't doing their job and you're like, ah, I don't know, I'll tell them tomorrow. I'll wait till Friday. Friday's better. Because then they'll have the weekend to kind of, and then they call out Friday and they're like, oh, darn it. All right, Monday, Monday. I'll tell them Monday. Gung-ho. As soon as they come in Monday, it's like, ah, nobody wants to get bad news on a Monday. By that time, it's totally forgot. They don't even remember it. But I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. Yeah, Shelly, yeah, shovel the pile when it's small. That's right. And I just like, you know, Whitaker gives a really good, you know, picture here. He, um, you know, he has a friend who owns, you know, like an apartment complex and like immediately goes to, well, what if they don't, you know, pay their rent? And, and he says, oh, I remodeled their place to even nicer. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a different strategy, right? And I, and I remember this, you know, my father uh, owned um, apartments in Allentown. And um, Allentown, Pennsylvania, he was in a tough part of town. And I just remember that that's where we spent most of our weekends. You know, he would pick me up and we'd go work in these apartments. He was constantly remodeling and, you know, fixing them back up and always complaining that they never paid their rent. But when I think back at it now, he never let the place go, right? Like he never let their behavior impact his expectations of them. And I'll have to tell him next time I talk to him, I'll say, hey, dad, I just realized this, right? So like, what are, you know, if, again, going back to those, those top 10, you know, percent of your people, if you're making all decisions based upon them, and if you're letting other people erode the culture through their actions and behavior, then you're letting those top 10, you know, people down and they see it and they know it. You know, what are they, what do you expect me to have that conversation with that person? Um, they don't. So and then we do the opposite, right? We send the memo and one of the organizations I worked with a lot lately, like they had a lot of people late every day, like 25 to like 27 people late every day. So they instilled a time clock. And then it just made, you know, people miserable about the time clock. And I'm sure the most, you know, people that were miserable, you know, they, they were the ones that were already there on time or they're late, you know? And so there's just decisions we make as leaders that are easy. And when we don't do the hard things, it just creates bigger problems. So no offense to anybody who has time clocks. I had to work under a time clock, but in education, like time clocks for educators are tough because we always take work home. I talked to my wife about this. She worked for a government you know, entity and she's like, oh, everybody waits at the time clock for the minute to move. I was like, yeah, but educators, like, always take work home. How many times did you take work home? He's like, I never took work home. I was like, that's all we do. We just work. <laughs> so you put a time clock on it, and now it really makes us feel devalued, right? I know what they were trying to accomplish. But when you create memos and consequences for the whole, you really take away from that top entity of, you know, people, that top, you know, percentage of people. So just be mindful of that. You know, the memo can come out, just send it out after, right? Make sure you have those conversations with those people individually and uh, get them there. Does anybody else have another example of, of, a, of a time where, um, and leave names and schools and stuff out of it, but a time where, you know, a, 
a large, you know, a policy that was only to like catch a, a few really impacted more than it should have in a negative way. What's another example of that? So time clocks are one, uniform policies maybe. Um, you know, that's a big one. That's kind of entity-wide to solve a bigger problem. Halloween, not not having school on Halloween, right? That was one that I heard. Like, we'll just solve that, you know, problem. We just want to have school on Halloween. Um, I don't know, there's just some big, sometimes, you know, policymakers, like in here, North Carolina, they're, you know, forcing all the districts to do a summer school type thing. Well, I'm pretty sure all the districts, we're going to do some sort of summer school anyway, right? I mean, there's just things that we do that just erode, erode the autonomy and the creativity that we have as organizational leaders. Um, and that's what really wears us down. It's those, it's those little things. Hey Robin, how are you? Welcome, welcome. Hey, I'm good, everybody. I had a, another thing I had to do, so but I yeah, think no worries. I'm glad you made it. Jump in. Um, I guess I've had definitely experienced those times where um, and done it myself. Um, where you have an issue and you you make it just a overall issue instead of addressing the people themselves. And I've had a staff member say to me, you know, is that an, you know, why don't you address the people who are doing that? Because it makes the rest of us feel like, you know, why are you talking to us? Did I do something? What, what did I do? And so they know, yeah. they, they acknowledge that too, that, you know, when we make a, even make an announcement, like, <clears throat> you know, like everybody needs to get their grades in on time. Well, the majority of people get their grades in on time, except for maybe five people. So maybe I just need to send a reminder to the five people, I need you to get your grades in on time. You know, those yeah. sorts of things. So. Right. Copiers, right? The number of copies you can make is always a big one. Um, I think Whitaker's, example was something about a paper clips, right? Just kind of like, and if you ever watch Hotel Impossible, which was one of my favorite shows, it's not on anymore, but he used to like, um, he would go to all these underperforming hotels and he'd give like a consultant point of view and he'd always find these like um, signs like, no kids around here, right? He's like, he's like, this place never wants me to come. Everything had an ex Information point. Everything was negative, right? So you create the culture that you desire to see through your, you know, through your policies. And and just like Robin shared, the only people reading the memo or the email are the people you don't have to worry about anyway. So don't spend the time doing it. Just identify the the consistent, you know, um, you know, challenging uh, people. Make sure they have a plan. You know, stick with them. Assign one of your other leaders uh, to do it. Um, to make sure that they get on time. Cause you're right, report cards, like it's not a surprise when the report card is, but it seems like there's always those two or three people to always have those, you know, uh, uh, challenges at the end. Vanessa wrote, uh, true the charter schools is a great example. She referenced condoning schools who don't follow the law. The inference there is a lot of charters won't uh, follow the law, which leads uh, to the question, does she not, you know, that's our, our state superintendent here in North Carolina, newly, newly um, elected superintendent. It does, you know, she not trust uh, charter schools, you know, based upon uh, their wording. So Whitaker goes on and he talks a little bit about arguing with a parent here. And, and I just want to kind of share a, a short story about this. When I was a, um, when I was leaving my, my first, you know, principalship to come and work here in Raleigh at the North Carolina uh, Department of Public Instruction, there was a, there was a PTO leader um, at our school and they lived in our neighborhood. And I had started to hear things about, they were just telling stories about me, like my, you know, personal business in the, in the community. And, and um, when I was reading this, you know, chapter again over a weekend, it really made me think about in every situation, who's the most comfortable and who's the least. And 
and there was a meeting, you know, set up between me and my boss and this, you know, PTO person. And I, and I remember getting so emotional over what this, you know, person had said, right. And was, you know, saying about me um, in a, in a school event and just a remembrance that, you know, in every situation, you need to model the way. And I left that meeting on fire and I let her know how I felt about her. And I'm sure that got around too. And like, I think about that was 13 years ago. And like, that's my legacy with that parent, right? That's my legacy in that meeting. That's my legacy with that uh, PTO was me letting my emotions get the best of me, right? And so when we take, when we argue with parents, when we argue with teachers, when we argue with challenging people, I mean, in a way, we're losing way more because we're losing the respect and the credibility of those who will follow us because we're letting, um, you know, we're letting ourselves getting pulled down, right? by that. And so one of the things that, you know, in our DISC personality profile, there's a graph number two, and maybe some of you have uh, taken it, there's a stress graph. And it's, it's interesting, you know, to me, I can think about any, any moment where I wasn't proud of myself. And it always came down to that. Letting emotions get in the way and seeking two things, control and accuracy. And that's, I'm a DC when it comes to, you know, handling myself under stress and conflict. And so, you know, think on, think on those things, right? When we don't address things in a, in a right way, when we allow ourselves to um, get pulled down rabbit holes of, of you know, whether it's um, uh, um, talking bad about people or being part of the joke, or, you know, laughing at someone else's expense, like the people who are watching us are that top 10%. And every time that they see us do that, and I want to go back to Polly's uh, comment, I think it was Polly. She said, if you don't give your best at, uh, teacher's attention and get suggestions from them, they will sometimes fade. They're also going to fade if you get involved in the mess, right? Because you're not the leader, right? I think I've heard, you know, someone say, you never want to meet your hero because you're probably going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's that same thing. Like I think about the things that I did back then as a leader um, and, and, you know, still do occasionally, not as much as I used to, but letting your emotions get the best of you and so in every situation, ask who's the most comfortable and who's the least comfortable. You should always be the most comfortable if you're handling yourself at the highest level. And, and you know, you don't need to get involved with uh, negative uh, people. You have clarity in your expectations. Here's what we committed to. Here's what we do at Integrity Academy. We love having you as a parent. Um, we don't treat, you know, people that way. We don't do whatever it is. But there's major, major repercussions of arguing with any adult or any child. Oh my gosh. Um, so those are just kind of, you know, my thoughts. You guys may have like interpreted something different, but that really made me think about that, you know, PTO uh, president and how I let her words or her, um, I don't know, just chatter really, really get the best of me. And uh, so don't, don't do that. Don't be like me. Just uh, make sure you're handling yourself uh, at the highest level all the time, right? You can do whatever you want in the private to get rid of whatever it is you need to do. And then come back out with a fresh face and just handle it, handle it the right way with the highest integrity. Any thoughts or questions on that? Anybody have a good strategy for, for handling or for making sure that you're the most comfortable person in a conversation without losing your integrity? I, I think about just um, taking the opportunity to reflect for a minute. Like you don't have to respond immediately. You don't have to, you know, you know, I've been, 
as you said, I mean, we're administrators, we're accused of things, we're talked about, we're, you know, people say things. Um, and you, you have to take a minute to reflect on, one, is what they're saying true? And then two, are you, how can I address the situation in a way that gets across the fact that I didn't appreciate what happened? but does it in a professional manner. <laughs> One of the things that um, I've been told is I'm really good at cussing people out without using a curse word. So, <laughs> and they don't even know they've been cursed out, but I've, I've taken care of the situation. <laughs> so I try my best to get it across and people for people to walk away understanding. Um, what how what they did made me feel and how we can avoid that in the future i think union stuff probably annoys me the most <clears throat> and because i feel like they say and do things that are ridiculous and um so trying to deal with them is probably my biggest challenge <clears throat> yeah like I like what you shared about the feelings piece. It reminds me, and I think I've shared it with this group, Simon Hinnick's uh, FBI, the feelings, behavior, and impact. And I, and I wish I was mature enough at that time in that meeting to just tell the woman how it made me feel when she did this during the you know, Christmas sale, right? So when you talked about me and my family, in my neighbor, uh, you know, you know, in our neighborhood, during that event in front of everybody, right? This is how it made me feel, and here's the impact of it. Instead, I got mad because she didn't apologize, and I lost my stuff. <laughs> and so, um, that's a good you know, strategy. You can just uh, Google Simon Sinek feelings, behavior, impact. It's a really good model. It's the model that we teach during our, you know, dealing with uh, difficult people. But just making sure you're in that right frame. And I like what, you know, Robin said, like, you don't have to address it right away, but you do have to address it, right? And you may just say to the person, hey, we're going to address this. Now is not the time, but I'm letting you know that, you know, we will, right? I'll be contacting you, you know, tomorrow or whatever. Or I've got to get my bearings or, you know, I, I need more information. I mean, whatever it may be, but letting them know that they're not off the hook is really important. But treating them with care and candor is the most important. Uh, because that's how you're going to make sure you maintain um, full full integrity of your organization. Awesome. So, and so the the call to action for let's see for this one is let's see what did I put here. Oh, we don't have one. So a good call to action might be uh, to to have a care and candor conversation. Right to 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 you know practice that feelings behavior impact to to make sure that you you have clarity in your expectations, right? Because that's that's the that's the best way. Like, say, hey, here's what we agree to, but here's what I see you doing. So help me understand. And then once they tell you what they did, oh, okay, all right. Well, here's how it needs to happen next time. Thanks for letting me know. Right or if you need help. So maybe have that, have one, one conversation where you're the most comfortable, Shelly, right, in a timely manner, and go for it. If you need to practice it, send me a message. I'd be happy to hop on a call with, you know, someone for 15 minutes and practice that conversation prior to going to have it. So, all right, anything else? So next week, I've got two uh, chapters, uh, high, high Achievers, and making it cool to care. Those are the two that I've got on my schedule for next week. Uh, two more announcements. Uh, we have our book selected for May, and it's, um, I have it, it's right here. We're gonna read, if you've never read, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Uh, so something will be coming out in the next day or so to sign up for that. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we spent more time reading female authors, and then in June, we're going to start to move towards, you know, you know, diversity and 
and equity and some other really, really important uh, topics. So, um, and then the other piece that we're doing is that we're going to house all of the book studies that we've done over the last three years in one place. So we have between 12 and 15 book studies like this. Um, so we're going to put them in one you know, place to give uh, school leaders an opportunity to, to invest in that and have a digital library so that every time that we do one of these, everything will always, so you'll have lifetime access to it. And every time that we do it, you always have you know, access to the, the archives. If you miss a live session, you have a place to get there. So awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. I like uh, doing the book studies. I love learning and I love you know, talking to you all. So um, great. So the, yeah, so the, the, next, the next, in May, we're gonna try a new time. We're gonna try seven o'clock at night because we did a poll out there. So that'll change. Um, is it possible to meet at 5.30 next week? Let's move to the next time, uh, yeah, in uh, May. Uh, Shelly, I'm sorry, I can't, can't always make it live. Yay for 7 p.m., Vanessa says. We'll see what my wife says after a couple of weeks, and that'll be, the, that'll be the indicator, everybody. So, all right. Take care, everyone. You all be safe, and uh, take care of yourselves. Wash your hands, wear your mask, wait your turn, and uh, have those care and candor conversations. Bye, everybody. Uh, the name of the book is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Dare to Lead. By hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Principal's Office podcast. There's two things I want you to do. One is if we said anything that you liked or added value to you or helped you as a leader, please share it out, like it, and make sure you subscribe so you get the notifications when the next uh, podcast is available to you. And secondly, if you want to download the study guide and the show notes and the resources like the hiring plan and the extra lessons about how you can grow yourself and grow your team as a leader, make sure you go to our website at lbleaders.com. And at the very top of the homepage, you're going to see a prompt that says, join our What Great Principles Do Differently study. Click on that and you will be able to download all of the show notes all of the study guides and all of the additional resources uh, that will help you be the most effective school leader. Again, make sure you uh, subscribe, make sure you share, make sure you like, and looking forward to seeing you on the next episode where we continue to talk about Todd Whitaker's What Great Principles Do Differently. Thanks everyone.